0: This episode of the Gentlemen's Scoff Law podcast is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash gentscofflaw to help produce the show. You are listening to the Gentleman Scoff Law podcast. Listener, beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be
1: on my way. Well, I still got
0: time to save my reputation. Time Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast, the podcast for the rebel and the Renaissance man. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. Co-hosting with me as per usual, is the Don Donovan Fowler. How you doing, man? <laughs> Better than I deserve. Better than you deserve. Um, yep. I feel like I feel like slowly over time, we're going to steal that tagline from Dave Ramsey. <laughs> hey, and Dave Ramsey like not own that. <laughs> we'll eclipse Dave Ramsey. Did he trademark it? We'll have t-shirts that say better than I deserve. I and he'll be like, like was, they stole
1: it. I heard somebody else say a variation of that recently, which is uh, – but there's better than I deserve, and then hey, how you doing? Uh,
0: blessed to be alive. I,
1: yeah, <laughs> feeling blessed, feeling blessed, <laughs> my blessed friend. How alive. are you? Um, yeah, if you if you say that around here, you get your lights punched out. No, but um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, I I just that that's how I feel these days. So okay. Dave Ramsey, you know what? You can come at me, but um, come in, can't bro. take down my my <laughs> right of self expression. <laughs>
0: I know. Um, later on, on the show, we're going to have, uh, Phil Morgan of, uh, Missouri Meerschaum classic, uh, old, you know, corn cob pipe factory, um, which brings us to a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, what you got there, Donovan?
1: Uh, I have a, um, some, uh, some old coffee water and a little bit of four roses in a mug. There's something floating around in here. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's a bubble. It's <laughs> a bubble. I, this is how you know I, I'm not in a in a good place right now. Is this because what law school has done to you? Finals final season is. I'm I'm just I'm just I'm, you know I'm like Kurt Russell in the thing. I'm just I just want to go up to my shed and get drunk. <laughs> oh,
0: no, well I have got uh, I have got a Mark Twain corn cob oh, pipe from Israel Beersham. That's new. enough
1: to sign up for the video uh, portion of a yeah. one. Get on YouTube and see the video portion. This is something else. And
0: this is a Vermont freehand stem, custom mm-hmm. stem. Uh, you guys should check them out if you and want to upgrade the stem on your corncob pipes. Uh, they're like 20 bucks. You could uh, pick the size, color, shape, whether you want it bent or straight or really bent, and he bends it to specifications
1: Kind circumcised, of cool. uncircumcised. Um, what? What's that made out of?
0: Uh, this one's acrylic. I think I could be wrong, but they might also have a vulcanite one or something. But there's so, different options. I think.
1: Or they, they used-, used to make pipe stems out of uh, horn and uh, bone. Uh, yeah, because we actually yeah. talked
0: about that with uh, Phil Morgan later, also. People. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he's. Uh, yep. Yeah, they used to make it out of bone, uh, stems out of bone. And then they made it out of vulcanite, which is like a hardened rubber. And nowadays, you could still get pipes with that. It's oh, yeah. kind of oh. more like the more higher end ones are that way, but they take more maintenance than like a hard acrylic stem. Because yep. um, they get all oxidized, you know? Like, you, I think the one I gave you has a. Uh, has a refurbished, uh, uh, vulcanite stem, but you'll see it starts to turn green over time until you moisturize it and buff it again.
1: It's hard to say. I think, I think, well, I know that the stem on mine is like plastic. I'm pretty sure. Is it plastic? Well, I mean, are they typically like plastic?
0: Well, they look, but it's got a. It's like a hard. Well, it's like vulcanite is hardened rubber that feels like plastic, but it's before uh, plastic okay. ever existed.
1: Well, then I must be taking care of it because it's not green thus far, and I'm Irish, so that should, uh, uh-huh. I should definitely apply. I um, yeah, I, I've always, you know, what I love about the pipe that you gave me is how it's got the um, the metal insert.
0: Oh yeah,
1: the little, uh, as opposed uh, stinger, to just. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's like it's almost uh, such an intricate little, you know, mechanism that I have no idea how it works, but it it works.
0: And those uh, that's kind of a little piece of L.A. history. That's from John's Pipe Shop in Los Angeles, which hasn't existed for Mm -hmm. a long time.
1: Is that the one in Beverly Hills that was around?
0: Um, I think it was actually down in Hollywood when I looked. There's okay. a whole web
1: page dedicated to John's
0: Pipe Shop where you could like yeah. read the history of it. But I found it at a uh, antique store in Santa Clarita, and then had it restored over at Brierville in uh, in uh, I don't know where they're based, but they do that. They just they go ahead and re- refurbish old
1: pipes. We'll raise our glasses to the tinderbox and john's pipe shop those poor bastards
0: those poor bastards i'm Where trying to get
1: my litch. I, lit- I actually uh i while you light that pipe uh i was um i came from the cigar lounge uh earlier today that's the only place i can get anything done and um I was talking to a couple guys there, one of which had just spent nine months out. He was an older fellow, but he had just spent nine months out in California. And um, he was talking about a place that he thought was in Glendale. I'm not entirely sure if this is in Glendale, but he was talking about like it's called the Phoenicia or something. Um, And apparently it's a restaurant run by a Lebanese guy. And it's very famous. Apparently a lot of people go there like – he was saying like it's a famous place where like a lot of um, yeah Phoenicia. Let's see where where is it? Nope, that's in Seattle. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, he he was he was telling me all about this place, and apparently you can smoke there, really? um, and it's just a thing. Like it's an accepted thing. It's been that way for forever, and people yeah. just you know you can smoke inside. And then uh, he also mentioned our uh, good Armenian friends over in Glendale. Oh, cool! Let's yeah. check it out
0: then. Yeah, a lot of historic. Um, Businesses and buildings can still do that; um, they're kind of
1: grandfathered in. But it like- kind of reminds me of the uh, uh, Nathan for you episode where he gets he skirts the the smoking ban, the indoor smoking ban in bars by um, he figures out that the only way you can have smoking indoors is if you're having a play. Like if it's part of a play. Oh yeah, I remember puts that. Like, and <laughs> yeah. he like he makes it like he puts a little audience section in the bar so people can come and watch the play. And it's really just the normal bar goers, but he pays them as actors and everything. It's it's pretty. It's it's a good episode. It's it's great.
0: That's pretty funny. He's got some good ones. Um, um, guy's a
1: genius and possibly a sociopath, but possibly. You know,
0: I, had a, no, I have, like, I have like, a friend that works that's it, the, as an editor, actually you know him, that has oh yeah. been around him quite a bit at like parties and stuff, because there's some crossover in the comedy world, and yeah. he says he still can't figure him out, even just talking to him
1: in person i real I've heard stories. Uh, I remember my roommate was once at a party uh, that he attended. He... He, uh, he had some insider baseball, which I will not mention here, but it had something to do with uh, maybe why he got divorced. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll leave that to uh <laughs> well, the wild I, imaginations. For those of
0: you who don't know who Nathan for you is, Nathan Fielder, look him up. He's got a hilarious show called Nathan for You. And it's almost like I would compare it to maybe like, Maybe something like kind of like the Ollie G show back in the day or something. But he uh, is this person that goes and helps revive businesses or comes up with schemes to make their businesses more profitable. And uh, usually they're very elaborate or not super helpful, Um, but uh, it's a fun show.
1: And he, yeah, I mean, basically, just like finds the most gullible. It, he was the one who came up with dumb Starbucks, dumb Starbucks uh, yeah years ago. And then he had a movie that came out, which actually was like the last, I think, the finale of the series. That was yeah. like super intricate, and uh, it, 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 I don't know, man. I mean, it's the sort of thing. It's like you know, there's there's a there's a boldness and a and and a genius there that that's it is enigmatic. Yeah. Definitely
0: enigmatic. I'm getting Uh,
1: good with my words today. You are. It's all that law school. It's. uh, it's, Yeah, uh, it's. I'm coming straight (laughs) off the studies.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I found this uh, little article uh, this week uh, by. uh, It was about Johnny Rotten. Those of you who know Johnny Rotten of frontman of the Sex Pistols,
1: also um, known as John John Lydon
0: um kind of a character but uh this week apparently um he has been bitten uh on his uh <clears throat> penis uh, after rescuing a oh, bunch okay. of squirrels in his Venice home in uh, in, in Venice, Venice, Los Angeles. <laughs> um,
1: rescuing squirrels? I didn't even read this article, so this is going to be fresh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it says, Sex Pistols' rocker has been attacked by the small parasitic bugs, which have left itchy bites all over his body, including his nether regions. He said, I looked down there this morning... I'm terrible at British accents. At my willy, and there's effing flea bite on it. And there's another one, and another one inside my leg. Um, apparently in dirty flea bite, bites after befriending a bunch of squirrels that has been his beach home, um, he said he's taken to smothering himself in Vaseline. Just ease the discomfort because he doesn't want to blame the poor squirrels.
1: Listen, I uh, like Johnny Rotten. Or John Liddell he's a uh, he's an Irishman John he's Liden. also a little bit of, he's he's a little bit of a uh a, did I say Liddell <laughs>
0: yeah Chuck Liddell you're thinking I Chuck was doing Liddell. I was they doing both have so well. uh
1: I'll go I'll just go with the former um uh, but uh he's he's a bit of a rebel Um, but this is, uh, yeah, this, this has some issues. One, you don't befriend squirrels. It's just not done. Just simply isn't done. Dear boy. (laughs) And, um, and on top of that, I mean, because squirrels, I mean, they are like the, uh, I, you know, if squirrels were larger, we'd be gone. I mean, they just like, they, they'd be, they'd be terrifying, like terrifying beasts to, to go on a quest to defeat. It's true. Um on top of that uh there's a. I, I know that there's some issue with uh bubonic plague sort of still uh coming around los angeles so really? uh, you better be careful yeah it's been a thing for the last like couple of years that like the homelessness problem has brought bubonic plague back that may just be a headline that i'm remembering <laughs> but i do know that uh dr drew did talk about that at one point the downtown uh-huh. they uh they found tr- traces of bubonic plague so i know venice is a it's a hike away from downtown but you better uh you better uh, make sure he gets treatment. There's definitely a lot of bubs down in Venice. I feel like that's, that's true. It is like <laughs> oh man. I mean, it's scary, dude. I remember uh my first big culture shock in California came like maybe a year after I had moved there and it was when I went and met my an actor who was uh starring in my short film and we met in Venice. And I remember it was like um I met him in a uh in a weed dispensary. Which, I mean, this was 2009, so it was fairly fresh in the whole site. He wasn't very, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't work there. He just like that was where he was going to be. (laughs) And of course, I'm the, you know, Good Christian boy from Kansas showing up in my flannel shirt and jeans and um you know they they offered me some stuff and I was like no thanks I'm just I'm fine and uh he he came off and was like yeah I'm suffering from a bit of a cold I just took a wheatgrass shot and uh yeah I'm feeling way better and I was just like wow this is a weird place but um but yeah a lot of crazies around Venice uh very very frightening place at night
0: yes it is and i didn't mean yeah. to call them bums uh i know that's poli- politically incorrect to say bums these days but uh um what do i, I say? prefer that the unhomed. I,
1: yeah i i prefer to uh to call them uh undesirables no
0: <laughs> oh,
1: i i don't want to get banned for that um no i mean i i i sympathize um with the homeless because uh I mean, you know, we, we, we're, aren't we just one step away from that most of the time? Yeah,
0: most of the entire Four population pounds. is one step
1: away from that right <laughs> yeah, now. All you have to do <laughs> is lose a home. I know. Um, but no, it is a uh, you know, crazy place, Venice.
0: Well, I saw this other article I thought was very interesting, um, and it's called – it's basically research of the most search for Thanksgiving side dish in every state. So I guess they looked at Google searches um, for side dishes in each state, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I wanted to see uh, what uh, – we could look at our states and see what we think. What do you think the yeah. most popular yeah. one yeah.
1: would be in Kansas? I was just going to try to guess this. So let's Let's see. At my house, we have stuffing. We have we do have cranberry sauce. So that that was never a huge thing here in my house. Um, but we do have it. We have mashed potatoes. I mashed potatoes may actually kind of be maybe biased, but I almost think there's so much so many Irish in the uh, Kansas City area. Or they're used yeah. to that mashed potatoes may be that. I may also be slightly racist when I say <laughs> that, but, um, so stuffing mashed potatoes, then we have, uh, uh whatever yams. And then I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say Ooh. stuffing. Stuffing. Maybe. All right. Let that me... seems to be a thing that people,
0: okay. So what we have here is uh Kansas is sweet potato,
1: sweet potato. Sweet okay. So potato. I, was, I had to close the first time I was guessing sweet potato. Okay. Yeah. See that.
0: Yeah, so
1: um, it's a yam, right? I just
0: heard a, I don't know, I just heard like a weird clicking. I wasn't sure what that was, but yeah, sorry about that. Is it you uh, know.
1: is it Vlad? It might be Vlad. He's <laughs> like, he's like, I is heard the you guy? talking is that, is about that, that, Sweet Gordon yeah. Bread. I didn't see him this year. So I, yeah. uh you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's always a pain in the ass. You're All gonna. Right.
1: Y- I, I'm going to see the predator, like, walk up behind you and you're gonna <laughs> die, and I'm going to have to take over the show. It's going to be terrible.
0: So I'm trying to find my – so I if I count. were guessing of my home, uh, my adopted home state of Texas, um, I would say – I would say it ha- it's some kind of dessert, and I haven't looked at this yet. So, mm-hmm. um, So I would say maybe pecan pie might be okay thing. that's a good guess so i'm waiting for i was this gonna to say load texas toast and we'll you know. see all right so oh no i was wrong it said cornbread dressing
1: oh that's interesting yeah huh eh, that makes sense I don't that's know that I've, uh, I've never had before. cornbread dressing of course washington dc is duck confit <laughs> oh my gosh that's <laughs> elitist pricks and their <laughs> duck confit this is, i mean they're like this is america right i thought you were like, calling the Washington duck something D.C. at yeah. first and i was like oh oh duck confit no, okay. i just know because i there was a period there was a chapter in my life where i was going to a lot of bougie places i was going a lot of dates in 2015 and i was going to like the bougie places in la because i thought it would impress the uh, the lady folk and i remember i i kept calling it duck confit <laughs> and uh, eventually one of the waiters uh, corrected me in front of my date, and uh, let's just say... Uh, in front he, of your like,
0: date? He didn't pull yeah, you aside and be like, look,
1: you <laughs> Listen, bro, uh, it's duck confit. <laughs> confit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh,
0: my, uh, like, that's always one of those things, like, growing up in Quebec, you, um, like, you speak French there, and so there's a lot of words that you like know the words in French and I just say them. And it's like, this is what my, my brother does this too, but people think you're being like elitist, but it has nothing to do with that. It's the only way you've learned to say them.
1: Which <laughs> is ironic because I've heard that. Um, I mean, this is not, I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, this is no dig at uh, Quebecois, yeah. but um, I've heard that the, the Quebec uh, dialect is actually like, sort of looked upon look, it's very looked down in France. Like yeah. they look down on it as sort of like kind of a, the way that we would look down at like maybe a Southern dialect as being a little bit more unrefined. Yeah. definitely. I guess depending on where you come from, it's, maybe the Florida panhandle.
0: Yeah. And there's like, there's definitely like really country Quebec sound. And then there's more kind of like middle of the road, international kind of sound. Um, yeah. But it's still, it's definitely different from France. Um, But in a way, too, they kind of think of them as kind of like as their cute younger cousins. Like a lot of the time where it's like, oh, that's cute. They don't know how to talk.
1: Um, There's nothing worse. (laughs) That's like that's worse than them openly hating you. Like at least then you can like, you know, punch them in the face. But 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 then the Quebecers just hate the European French altogether. They're just not (laughs) fans of them. Um, Speaking of, uh, you know, Quebec, I want to say I've probably mentioned this before, but uh, Anthony Bourdain had just just because we're speaking of uh, Thanksgiving side dishes and stuff. He had an awesome episode of uh, whatever the more popular one was. It was maybe no reservations or uh, parts unknown. I think it was. But anyways, he had an awesome episode where he went to Canada and I think it was Quebec. And they had the most delicious looking food I have ever seen in my life. I was like, if this, this could be like all you had to do to promote tourism in Quebec is just put that food on display. It was amazingly, I mean, you'd probably die at like, you know, 55, (laughs) but you know, it was, it was damn good food.
0: Like Montreal is really known for their food and also it's not like, getting good food at a restaurant is not as expensive as it is in the States, like going out to eat and stuff. It's more part of the culture there, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, so if you want to – you know, go to a place if you're a foodie and you want to eat a lot and not spend a ton of money. Uh, go to Montreal. Don't go to San Francisco or some.
1: That's cool. Place like that. That's that's awesome <laughs> Up there. That free, free piece of advice to yeah. all of our listeners out yeah. there if you're looking yeah. for a place to vacation. Yeah,
0: except don't go during COVID because you'll have to stay inside for 14 days before you can go anywhere. Um, yeah,
1: plus you're <laughs> on the risk of running into uh, you know that guy who runs the country who yeah, Shilma, be named.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and in California, the most searched for side is gravy.
1: So that's <laughs> interesting. I thought it would have been
0: like some sort of kale, uh,
1: <laughs> kale salad or something. I have a theory. I have a theory that, um, and I'm not, you know, obviously California is fine. There's some good cuisine out there, but uh, let's say California has never really been known for like its cuisine. I mean, yeah. maybe like San Francisco for its sourdough bread, yeah. but like L.A. especially is not known for anything in particular other than just being kind of trendy
0: i feel like and, it might be known for its asian cuisine because it's the jumping off point to to the orient here well so a lot of sushi
1: and <laughs> they don't count here because it's thanksgiving <laughs> and so please uh leave them out of it no but uh my overall point is is that it may be that like most of the food in California or like most people in California may not know how to really properly season a, a thing. And maybe that's why you need the gravy. You know, yeah. I've been to some very, uh, bland Thanksgiving dinners in California, <laughs> California, and there's no salt on the table. That's like the biggest sin It's like when you serve me bland food and I'm like, where's the salt? And they're like, Oh, we, uh, we don't want to increase people's sodium. It's like, oh, no.
0: It's, that's that's uh, funny. Yeah, I, I never grew up with salt on the table, but it is it is a funny thing that uh, we're
1: all about it here at the Fowler household. Yeah. I actually have I have a salt lamp right here. Uh-oh. which you is just lick you know, it, then. <laughs> that's the, yeah, I know. I could whoop, well that it just you know, the, the light just came out Uh-oh. of it. <laughs> but yeah, I could totally just grind this over my food if I was ever in an emergency. It's that's true. the whole reason. At one point salt was very valuable. It back it was there. Romans well that's where salary comes from right yeah Romans uh you know would pay the soldiers in salt
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> we'll take a quick break and we're going to be back with Phil Morgan of Missouri Mearshaw. Gentlemen I want to take a quick moment to tell you about the new ugly Christmas sweatshirts now available in our Gentleman's Golf Law store our classic scofflaw logo of the mustachioed skull smoking a pipe uh, has now been reimagined into a knit pattern graphic available on three different colors, uh, red, green, or navy on both sweatshirts and t-shirts. Now, this design is a modern take on the classic ugly Christmas sweater, uh, perfect for those who maybe enjoy the holidays with a little too much eggnog, maybe a little too much burly in their pipe tobacco blend. Uh, so go ahead and show off your Scofflaw pride with a little festive flair this season, but do it now because this Black Friday through Cyber Monday, you can get them for 20% off with the coupon code listed right there in the show notes. Go to GentlemanScofflaw.com and click the shop page to ensure that you get yours in time for all your Christmas festivities. <laughs> All right, I'm really excited to have this guest. Um been a fan of the product for years, but it, it's it's fun to talk to the man in charge here. We've got Phil Morgan, general manager over at Missouri Meerschaum. Uh thanks for joining us, Phil. Oh
2: well Jordan, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it.
0: Appreciate it. I. I, I I, uh, I've, the first pipe I ever smoked was a Missouri Meerschaum pipe, so we could talk about that a little bit, but I'd love to, our listeners who don't know you to know a little bit about your background. So tell us, give us the origin story of Phil Morgan.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, that goes way back no, <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, as far as my, uh, the, my story with Missouri Meerschaum. You know is uh my my background my professional background is i'm a cpa and you know have been for years and uh like a lot of cpas i got got out of public accounting off into industry and uh just through a series of uh different industries uh got to the point where i was actually retired for uh a few years and uh, my wife and i were sitting at home one night and i was looking at the classifieds in the paper and I said, Pat, you won't believe it. There's an ad in the paper for the general manager of a corn cob pipe company. And I said, How how often are you going to get a chance to manage a corn cob pipe company, and how hard can it be? And <laughs> those those are my famous last words. You know that that's been 11 years ago now. So that, those are my famous last words about that. So, uh, but that's that's kind of how I ended up. You know, uh, ended up here. And you know, I was. Uh, some people say, well, when did you not start smoking a pipe until you got here? And uh, I, I think like a lot of guys in college, especially whenever I was in college was when a lot of people were reading Tolkien and Lord yeah. of the Rings. And, you know, so, and I was too. And uh, I, so I started smoking a pipe then and, uh, and did smoked it off and on for years. And then, uh, but obviously once I got here to uh, Missouri Mirsham, I've, kind of a dedicated pipe smoker. I love cigars too, but, uh, but, uh, pipe and cigar smoker, basically. So that's awesome.
0: I, I, uh, I just got into pipes, I'd say about five years ago. And the first pipe I ever smoked was a Missouri Meerschaum, a Washington, uh, Cobb. And I had bought it Several years before, as a prop for a video, because I've come from a sketch comedy background and we needed a pipe, and I bought it at a CVS. Um, just grabbed what they had there and never thought about it. And then, um, had a friend that smoked a pipe, and I was like, Oh, I, I wonder, like, I wonder where that where that thing is. And I pulled it out of the prop box and I watched an Aristocob video on how to get started. And that was my that started my whole journey. <laughs>
2: oh, in, in how long ago was that jordan
0: that was uh in uh that would have been november 2015 so five years ago uh. Smoked um, is crazy. <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> but, well, that's, you know, the, those videos that uh, Scott Mark with Arresticob does, yeah. you know, or has, you know, for pipe showing people how to smoke a pipe and yeah. you know, all different kinds of things. Man, he's uh, those are really good videos, and they're, I highly recommend those for anybody who's either starting out or if you're having an, a problem. You
0: know, yeah. smoking too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I'd love to talk a little bit about. So, you've you've kind of been more in the cor- corn cob pipes the last the last ten, I guess, 10, 11 years or so. Um, but the company has been around forever, and I'd love to know, like, how did the company get started? Where Where does this idea of like smoking? something made out of corn. Where did that come from? Like, it seems like it's so strange, but it's awesome at the same time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, corn cobs are, as I'm finding out, corn cobs over the years have really been a real versatile uh, material for a variety of different things. Uh, And corn cob pipes is probably one of the most well-known ones, but, you know, whenever people ask, well, who made the first, Corn cob pipe, and if you think about it, it probably was the Native Americans, because uh, you think about the two the two plants that are involved: tobacco, which is uh, uh, mainly a mainly a North American Caribbean, you know, uh, uh, plant, and then corn itself, which was really uh, developed and hybridized by the Native Americans in Central America, primarily in uh, Mexico and. Uh, and with the Mayans and different cultures there and they had been growing corn and hybridizing it for gosh over you know 2,000 years probably more actually probably closer to 5,000 years yeah. and the, so they're the ones that actually de- developed a plant uh, that we now call corn and they, it was developed from a, a small grass plant but you uh, so they so the first ones, it, it just makes sense because of they, the Native Americans had tobacco, they also had corn, they would have called it maize, but uh, they it just makes sense that they were probably the first ones uh, to use a corn cob as a pipe. And uh, but as far as uh, commercial commercial made corn cob pipes, uh, the legend here about how that came about is that, either a trapper or a farmer in this area where Washington, Missouri is just West of St. Louis about an hour West of St. Louis, uh, almost in mid Missouri. But, uh, but the Missouri river is right here. Our plant literally right behind me is the Missouri river. So uh, they, that either a a trapper or a farmer, you know, came down or up the Missouri river and had whittled his own corn cob pipe. And he stopped at, uh, at, this small uh, uh, business here in Washington that was a wood turner named Henry Tibby. And Henry Tibby was from uh, Holland. He had immigrated from Holland and uh, he was a wood turner. So this farmer or trapper uh, uh, came in and asked Mr. Tibby, uh, Hey, is there any possibility you could make a corn cob pipe uh, on your wood lathe? And so he tried it, and he did. It was successful. He made a few extra to sell, and that was in 1869. And uh, within, oh gosh, four to five years, that's all he was doing was making corn cob pies. Wow. And so that's that's really the the origin of it, and the and really the way that. They got so well known relatively early. You would think that, well, maybe that's something that would just be a regional product for a while. And then 10 or 15 years, maybe it would be national or whatever. Well, they had started that uh, marketing uh, all really worldwide, even into Europe, even in the 1880s. So it was a product that, you know, it began, you know, right here, right in Washington, Missouri. But uh, it was very quickly what had spread uh, across the United States and, you know, over into Europe. But uh, but that's what its humble beginnings were, is, you know, just a, a farmer or a trapper got the idea, made his own pipe and came by and said, hey... You know, you think you could make these on your lathe, so that's how it all started. That's crazy.
0: It's like it's so funny because it seems like it almost like started out like as a novelty, and now it's like such a preference for people that are in the pipes. It's like it's like I'd love to talk about like what what are the properties of corn that or or just corn cob pipes that make them something so
2: desirable to smoke. Yeah, and that's uh There, there are several people as far as uh, what makes them so desirable. We've. You know, people tell us, well, they they think that they they tend to smoke cooler than a than a briar pipe. You know, I I'm not so sure that I buy into that necessarily because it, once you smoke a pipe, you know that it depends on how you smoke a pipe whether it smokes cool or not. It depends on are you are you taking your time and sipping it so that it stays cool, or are you really Puff, puff, puffing away like I end up doing a lot because I'm if I'm smoking when I'm doing something yeah. I'm pretty intent on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but some people say that it smokes cooler. Uh, some people say that it has a sweet characteristic to it. Now that's another one I'm not so sure I buy into that. Only because I think it may be a little more psychological because when they're thinking of corn, they're thinking of sweet corn, yeah. you know, which this is not. This is a field grade <laughs> corn food grade but it's field grade uh so uh and and so those two things some people buy into those two but the other thing that is uh, unmistakable is they first of all they are a great smoking pipe and they are inexpensive you know if you're if you're just like kind of like you you know brought the uh bought the prop one time you know and then started smoking a corn cup pipe well it was i guarantee you that was inexpensive when you bought it and uh, and they still are relative to uh, you know to a briar pipe or a tr- to a, to a uh, true meersham pipe. So uh, th- those I think those are the characteristics and and I think you can't you almost can't also ignore the idea that it's such a heritage product. I mean it's mm-hmm. a unique American product uh, that it's uh, it's uniquely Missouri, it's uniquely, uh, American. And just, uh, the fact that it was, it started it had such a humble beginning back in 1869. And, uh, and our company, uh, is still going. I mean, we're, we're 151 years old this year. We celebrated our 150th anniversary last year. I think a lot of people just like the idea of this true heritage, American heritage product Yeah. Too. And you know the and one other thing about the smoking characteristics that that I do believe on this one or do buy in on this one is that they uh, people don't think they ghost. Uh, it, you know, if you're smoking an ar- uh, aromatic pipe or, or an aromatic tobacco or an English tobacco, they don't think that the corncob corn cob pipe ghosts as much as a uh, like a briar pipe does. So, but again, I also think that depends a lot on the individual too
0: yeah that's've I've felt that too with it because I, I, having gotten into pipes over the last few years and when I go back to I, cobs are always in my rotation, they always uh, I always notice that like oh, I don't really I don't really I can't sense what I had in this pipe last and with my briars, you definitely know, okay, I smoked some some vanilla or something in there. Um, the only one is I've got one that I only smoke. Uh, one type of cherry tobacco in, and that one always still smells like
2: cherry, even when I pick it up. But that's yeah. it.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one.
2: I uh, I have so many. I don't know. I have so many pipes laying around on my desk here yeah. and behind all that that I I have kind of an unlimited supply. But I do have one pipe that's sitting over there just for cherry blends, because I agree with you. Once you smoke cherry in a pipe, I mean, that you better designate that your cherry tobacco pipe.
0: Yeah, it's just it's never going away. And it's great on its own as that pipe, but if you're trying to put other stuff in it and it doesn't blend very well, it can ruin, ruin the experience. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. well go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, you've got people, they either really love cherry blends or they really don't like cherry blends. Yeah. Or I guess there are some people in the middle, like me, that maybe once a year I'll smoke a cherry blend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So i feel like it
0: for me it's a good it's a good summer blend i don't know why i like it in the summer but i fruit maybe summer i don't know there's some sort of yeah, connection yeah. there for me um, yeah. but it's it's great like it is i love that you touched on the fact that it, it is uniquely american i mean obviously we talked about the native americans and their kind of their 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 journey with corn um like that corn i didn't re- i would never thought about this but corn is totally a new world thing it's not something that came from europe they didn't have anything like that there. I could be wrong, but from what I've I've seen, it's like that that's a new American thing.
2: Oh, it is. It's, I mean, that is really, and if you really, uh, my wife kids me about this. I, I bought a book about, it's called the history of corn in the Midwest. And, uh, it, uh, I'd sit up at night and read that and she would make fun of me. I <laughs> said, my God, how much more boring a book could you, could you read?" <laughs> but you know, it's actually fascinating. If you ever get a chance to read, you know, just about the, the history of corn, how it was developed and the, and the role it played in the development of the Midwest, especially the Midwest part of the United States. It really is fascinating, but, but it really is. It, it truly is a uniquely, uh, American, and when I say American, I don't mean United States necessarily. I mean, you know, the Americas. I guess it it developed by the uh, by the the Mayans in particular, from like I said, a small plant called teosinte, and uh, and they, oh gosh, it became extremely important. That that was the only reason that they could exist as long as they did is because of the corn that they developed, and. but it, it's a it, the role corn still plays in the the economy of the United States is really. I not understood and is really fascinating when you read about it yeah for sure
0: and I feel like it's in everything
2: <laughs> you look at every product there's some sort
0: of corn thing involved in it
2: but I don't know <laughs> yeah they even make candy it looks like corn yeah, candy corn. <laughs> yeah <So> it's <laughs> <that's> true
0: <laughs> I don't think there's any corn in that though that's probably no, the only no. thing that doesn't have corn in it is candy corn
2: <laughs> well now it may have corn syrup oh in that's, it, true, know, yeah. know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's uh, true well I'd love to like, so when people think of a corncob pipe, like the image that comes to their mind is like, you know, a little cylinder with a wood shank that comes out. And usually it's in a snowman or a sailor is what they're thinking of. But they've, they've changed so much over the years. You've got, I don't know how many different styles now, but I'd love to talk about how that's evolved over time.
2: We have, you know, you're right. Uh, when somebody who's not really familiar with, pipe smoking, and, and in particular with corncob pipes, they still, they'll think of it as a novelty. They, uh, they either think of it as a novelty or as, you know, something to smoke marijuana in, you know, and that's, you know, that's about the, what they think of the corncob pipe. Uh, but it, you know, our, and our pipes range all the way from the little miniature pipes they just talked about all the way up to like the MacArthur uh, pipes and the freehand pipes, and we, we make pr- about, oh, right now, we make about 30 different versions, you know, of a corn pipe, you know, and that goes everywhere from the, like I said, the little miniature up to the, the, uh, the big uh, MacArthur pipes. And uh, like the one that I'm smoking right now is called an apple diplomat. It has an apple shaped bowl on it. Uh, that's, a, that's a popular pipe, uh, uh, but we, we try to, you know, Have a variety of bowl shapes, uh, have both straight uh, uh, and bent versions of them, and and try to have you know something for everybody basically, and uh, and a lot of uh, every once in a while we'll try to come out with something new, but often all we have to do is go back and look in our catalogs, excuse me, from like the early 1900s and say hey. know there's a pipe that we haven't made in 50 years why don't we try that one again you know so we have there's and it's amazing the variety of pipes that the company was making real even in the late 1800s and early 1900s we have a in our museum and I invite anybody if if you're in near Washington Missouri come by and we have a small museum that's kind of interesting to see but we've we had our uh, in the World's Fair in St. Louis in 1904 we had a booth and uh, we, had a, we have the two big panels uh, of pipes that were in the booth in the 1904 World's Fair, and we won the blue ribbon for corncob pipes too. Oh, wow. uh, but in, even on those panels, it's really interesting to see the variety of corncob pipes that were made even back then. And some, uh, keeping in mind that back then, they were every pipe was made by hand on a lathe. You know, so they so they got really creative uh, with, the, with the corn cob pipes back then. And not just in the, the bowl, but in the, the shank on the pipe, uh, uh, they would even make the shank itself. We don't make it out of corn cob anymore, but even the shank on the pipes back then, on some of them were made out of corn cob, mm-hmm. and that's really difficult to do. Wow. And, uh, and the mouthpiece, uh, they back then, there, there's a company just up the hill from us that, uh, in the really old pictures of it, it's called the Bone Products Company, and they made buttons from either hog or cattle bones, but they also made the mouthpieces for our pipes from bone. Oh, wow. So, uh, so there's it's it's really interesting to see, you know, how they, you know, what they made the pipes from way back when, and the variety of shapes that they have, and we still. Uh, we still have, as I said, about 30 different shapes or varieties of pipes that we make. Wow. That's, that's insane. Like I wouldn't have thought,
0: I, I wouldn't have thought like that early on that there would have been such variety that it would have been maybe like a one size fits all kind of thing. But it's, it's really cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. And some of them, uh, it's some of, and they apparently really did smoke them because I've seen some of the pictures, but some of the pipes they made, uh, the bowls were fairly large but the shank on it literally was like oh like two feet long <laughs> and, and uh and odd they may have, the only reason i can see that they would have done that is because it uh, to make it smoke cooler you know the longer the shank is yeah you know the smoke cools as it goes through it and but they uh they really i think they had a lot more time back then to you know to sit around <laughs> and, and smoke the pipes too so yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you're going to smoke that, you're definitely not working on anything. You <laughs> you're, you're yeah. sitting down in some sort of recliner or something and and taking your time. That's for sure. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, uh so there's all these different shapes. One of the big the the famous ones I always remember thinking of even as a kid was the the General MacArthur pipe, which was like a huge pipe. And I've got a, I've got one of the newer ones that you guys make here, but I'd yeah. love to know the story behind that. Like, how did that come about? Cause that is such an iconic look is those, those aviators with that big
2: cob in, in, in his mouth yeah. looking so intimidating. Oh yeah, I definitely was And, and <laughs> anybody that knows anything or has read anything about MacArthur knows, you know, he was a, uh, uh, he was a great general But he also was, you know, there's a little bit of politician in him and a little bit of photo op in him and all that. So uh, and that's what that particular pipe, uh, whenever you see him in some of his iconic poses uh, uh, with his hands on his hips or whatever and got that big pipe in his mouth. Well, that's that was a lot for photo ops. because we have pictures of him here where he's smoking uh, a lot smaller, regular sized pipe but the way that one came about first of all the way uh macarthur uh, started smoking a pipe is he uh uh, general pershing from world war one was the one who who smoked our pipes but uh he's the one that actually turned macarthur on to pipe smoking and in particular corncob pipes and uh he and MacArthur wanted something that made him, gave him kind of a unique look or gave him the, that, that iconic look that you see most pictures of him. And, uh, you know, FDR had already taken the long uh, cigarette uh, holder, you know, so yeah. he already had that one. Uh, so uh, MacArthur, who was a pipe smoker, you know, he, uh, he took one of our pipes that we had made since the 1880s. It was called the grandpa. And it had that big, tall bowl like the, current, the, the MacArthur, like you have, Jordan. Yeah. It has that big, tall bowl, but it was, a, a, instead of having a straight shank on it, it was a, a bent shank. Yeah. And that was called a grandpa. And uh, and the the shank entered the bowl all at the very bottom of it. So you had a really deep bowl. Wow. And, and I think what happened is MacArthur got one of those and didn't like how deep the bowl was, how deep the, the bowl was, basically. So he said, uh, hey, raise that shank up so it enters a little above halfway. Keep the, keep the bowl as, as tall as it is, but raise the shank up on it to enter a little above halfway and then keep it, just keep it natural. Don't coat it with anything, just keep it natural and uh, and put that long shank on it. And that's how that came about. And one of his aides, a, either a captain or a major who was one of his aides, lived, uh, was from a small town not too far from Washington. So whenever he his aide would come back to this area, uh, he would have him come by here and get his... Wow. uh get his his corn cob pipes. so yeah.
0: this is a custom deal for him. that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh, that def- uh, pretty cool. yeah, <laughs> it definitely was and and,
2: uh, and and we're we're proud you know to continue that today and it's it's amazing. I mean you know how big those pipes are. Yeah. i I rarely smoke one of them, I will admit just because they are so big. Yeah. but uh there's a we still sell an awful lot of those. And what's kind of interesting to me, anyway, is that we sell a lot of those into Japan, oh, wow. uh, and and when you think about it, though, you think, oh gosh, that doesn't that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But mm-hmm. when you know the history of uh, World War II and the end of the World War II, that uh, MacArthur stayed in Japan and helped rebuild. Uh, he was instrumental in keeping the emperor from being. Uh, tried for war crimes and executed. So, so he, MacArthur is viewed as somewhat of a, uh, he's viewed fondly, especially among the older Japanese. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we still send, uh, we sell a lot of corn cop pipes, especially the MacArthur into Japan. Wow. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. That, that is a monster smoker. Like I think I, I've, I've smoked it twice, probably because it took me like two hours to get through the first bowls. But it's fun. It's always, especially when we have like a men's like pipe night at our church or something. That's the one I'll bring out because I know I'll be sitting around for a couple hours, and it's like a good conversation
2: piece. Well, and you know what? Yeah, yeah, it's a conversation piece. It'll draw
0: attention to your pipe. Definitely. that's crazy. Uh, well I'd love to like to know about the process of how these pipes are made today, because they're, they, they seem def- they're not complex pipes, but they're definitely more complex than probably what they were on you know when they were first made on the lathe. It seems like there, there's a lot of craftsmanship in the way that these look and are made at, I would assume.
2: Yeah, there are. And uh, but that craftsmanship, though, I think that was there was just as much craftsmanship even from day one. Oh, wow. uh, like I said, if you'd see the, the panel from the World's Fair that we have here and see the craftsmanship and those, it's amazing. Yeah. But whenever uh, people sometimes ask, well, where does where does your process start? You know, making a corn cob pipe. Well, I said, well, the first thing you do is plant the corn. You know, because that really is, uh, and a lot of people don't realize that we grow our own corn. We don't buy our cobs from other farmers, and we did years ago. uh, Years ago, uh, like old late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, even into maybe the nineteen fifties, what we would do is give the local farmers a uh, this metal ring and tell them, hey, once you've shelled your corn, if that cob will not fit through the ring, then it's big enough for us to buy from you to make a corn cob pipe. So we didn't have to grow our our own corn then. But as modern farming practices developed, uh, where especially the the, the, uh, harvesting, you know, uh, if you see a modern combine go through a field now, it picks the ear of corn, shells it, and then grinds the cob back up and puts it back out on the field. Well, obviously that doesn't work for us. Yeah. You know, so we had to uh, we had to harvest the corn ourselves. And the variety of corn that we have, uh, ideally the corn and and uh, ideally the corn, the diameter is big. The it doesn't have to be real long necessarily, but the diameter needs to be big. And most farmers they don't they don't want a cob. Uh, that's really thick and heavy because what uh, it can tend in, like in a wind storm, it can tend to uh, cause the corn to blow over. Mm-hmm. So most, uh, it, the field corn that's grown now is the, the cobs are very skinny. They're full of grain, but they're really skinny. Uh, and uh, not, a, not, a, not any type of corn that we could use to make our pipes. So we have, not only do we grow the corn, but we have our own variety just for making corn cob pipes. And back before it was politically incorrect to deal with anything uh, uh, with tobacco, the University of Missouri helped us develop uh, a hybrid uh, corn from these old open-pollinated types of varieties of corn from way back when—they right. helped us develop this hybrid that produces a a, a a cob that has is big in diameter, and uh, and the other part that is is really important to us is you know the center of the cob is the pith—that's the soft part that's real it's real soft and you can just push anything through it, but the next part of the cob is actually called the woody ring. And that woody ring, uh, once you let a cob dry, uh, that woody ring literally is as hard as wood. Mm. And on our cobs, that woody ring portion is really thick. And yeah. uh, again, a regular farmer wouldn't want that because it's a big, it's a heavy cob. Uh, it, it's gonna, it'll have a tendency to pull the plant over. So so we grow, we we, we have our own variety of corn. We grow our own corn. We have a 150-acre field across the river in the Missouri River bottoms uh, where we grow it. So we grow the so the process really starts there. Grow the corn. Once we harvest it, uh, we shell it uh, and sell the grain. The grain it, it's food grade. It, it either gets used for uh, animal feed. Uh, for corn meal for humans, or my favorite, uh, used to make whiskey. So it's, <laughs> and we do sell it to some local distilleries, uh, oh, some of awesome. them, anyway, you know, to make whiskey. So uh, so we sell the grain and and then bring the cobs over here to the plant and store them up on the third floor for two years uh, just to let them dry. And literally just store it in big mounds. They're not, uh, they're, and then they'll a, a cob will keep as long as it's not wet it'll keep forever so we we let them dry for two years up there and then once they're the cobs dry enough then we bring them down into the plant and saw them into sections and then you know then either put them on a lathe still you know the uh, uh, probably at least fifty percent maybe even more now of our pipes still are literally made by hand on a lathe oh, wow. that's crazy so yeah, so that's kind of the process. And then, you know, the bowl, once the bowl is shaped, then we coat it, A lot, most of them we coat with uh, plaster, just plain old plaster of Paris, just like the first was done in 1869, and then put a, a little coating of lacquer around or on it, and uh, and then uh, uh, drill the, the shank hole and then uh, take it into the assembly area and they assemble it, so that's kind of in a nutshell, the process.
0: Wow, That's great. It's crazy that they're, that they're still, a lot of them are made by hand and it feels like that when I have, cause I'll have two of the same model um, side by side and they'll, they, I mean, they're clearly different pipes cause they're, oh. it's a, that's nat, a natural uh, made of a natural material, but it's just, it's cool ver the, the variety in, in all of them.
2: Oh yeah. Cause like you said, each, you know, each corn cob, each corn cob itself is a little different yeah. and then uh and then each when you make them by hand on a lathe and like you said you put them side by side i mean you could tell it's the same model same design but there will be some variation you know from one to the other yeah that's crazy
0: yeah because if you were going to get a briar pipe like that like handmade on a lathe or whatever you just spend a few hundred
2: bucks on yeah. something yeah. like that yeah yeah <laughs> And that's and that's what's amazing when you when people uh, uh, come through the plant and uh, they see they just have no idea how much handwork you know there is you know in making you know this humble little corncob pipe. There's uh and the guys that do it that the, the uh, guys and girls the men and women that in the plant that make it. I mean they're proud of what they do. They they know they're making this American heritage product that's been made for 150 plus years and uh and i i make them aware of how popular the pipes are that you know hey, you think you're just making this inexpensive corn cob pipe but these pipe these pipes mean a lot to the pipe smokers out there you know to uh for a lot of different reasons either it, either was the first first pipe they smoked uh they're, it's they're inexpensive so they can buy get a several of them they've got their rotation right there so uh But I try to make them aware and they know how how uh, how important these pipes, the the role these pipes play in the pipe smoking community. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, it's it's crazy that like you talk, you kind of touched on kind of like the idea of, you know, things being politically incorrect related to uh, tobacco nowadays. It's not something that's super desirable and i you know that the pipes and cigars and stuff have gotten lumped into some of the really you, you know all the cigarette smoking and all that stuff that we know is ter- was terrible for your health um but have you seen in terms of corn cob pipes like is there is there a a new interest in recent times of people in on it like it were were or is it do you find that you mostly have people that are from the an older
2: era that are buying and using corncob pipes? You know that that, that I, we get asked that question quite a bit, and uh, it's interesting to see if you go to a uh, like to a pipe club or a pipe show, or even to a trade show where there's cigars and pipes. Yeah. Uh, there's the demographic ranges all you know all the way from the young young guys you know in their twenties you know all the way up to the you know, older guys you know, in their 70s and 80s. and, uh, and I, I, there's still that, that demographic, that broad range of demographic is still there. You would think that it would be skewed, as you just mentioned, up toward the older yeah. uh, older guys. But I would say in the last six years, uh, I mean we've seen a definite uh, a resurgence in pipe smoking in younger guys. And when I say younger guys, I'm talking, you know, in 20 to 40, you know, in that in that age range. And uh, and I I think it's for a variety of reasons, I think. But one of the main reasons, I think, is that it's it's kind of a social thing to do now. Sure. A lot of us, including me, you know, I'll sit at home by myself reading a book uh, and smoke a pipe. But you also get together at your pipe club meetings, uh, you know, uh, whether it's virtually or whether it's in, you know in person, and uh, it, it talk about your pipes, talk about your different tobaccos, and and to me that's what's so great about the hobby, and I think that's what's attractive to a lot of people is the the variety of pipes is just amazing. And I yeah. mean, not just corn cob, I mean briar, meerschaum, I mean the clay, the whole thing, uh, and then the variety of tobacco is almost infinite. Uh, yeah. That and uh sitting around trying a new tobacco and hey you want to tell your friend about it and give them some exchange some so i think a a lot of the the attractiveness of pipe smoking to the younger crowd especially is the social aspect of it and uh and but but what's great about it is there's not only the social aspect it also you know it's also a great hobby just to do by yourself whether you're Walking through the woods, you know, smoking a pipe, or sitting at home reading a book, smoking a pipe, or whatever. Yeah, yeah so. that's that's
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I did. What it's crazy. Like I'll go to the L.A. Pipe Club, and just the the variety of pipes and stuff and a lot of people have corn cobs there too but it's just like people passing it around oh i've never seen this pipe who made that where did you get that one and then you know just the the center of the table just tons of jars and bags of different tobacco that anyone could go in and like sample different things and it's cra- some of it that'll never be made again or really hard to get um,
2: <laughs> it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah you better believe and that's that's what's you know and that's that's another that's a good point jordan then yeah. about the the pipe gatherings or whatever yeah. uh you know somebody will have a a unique tobacco that maybe isn't made anymore but you know they're willing to share it yeah. you know it's not they're not necessarily although you know i'm sure there are some people hoarding keeping some back for themselves you know <laughs> yeah. but But they'll, you know, they'll bring some out and say, hey, here's, you know, like, for instance, McClellan, you know, tobacco that, you know, unfortunately, you know, closed its doors a few years ago. Uh, I mean, they've got some absolutely fantastic uh, pipe tobacco that it's never going to be made again. Somebody may try to make it again, uh, but it won't just won't be the same no you know, so definitely
0: not yeah that's one of the cans i leave at home is i have one can left of frog Morton cellar
2: that, oh. <laughs> that i won't bring
0: to the club because everyone will take it and then i'll never I'm, i've been you know slowly working my way down that and once it's gone it's gone <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and that, that'll be a sad day too yeah uh,
0: i know i'm not yeah. looking forward to that day <laughs> have,
2: mcclellan has a uh, uh, they made some uh, or blended some pipe tobacco for Eric Nording. It was yeah. some aromatic. One was called Labrador. It was uh, they named it after hunting dogs primarily, like Labrador Retriever, uh, Setter, and all that. And the Labrador Retriever or the uh, Hunter blend was one of my favorite aromatics. And I've got just a few tins of that left. But once that's gone, that's gone. There's yeah. uh, and there's not. I have not found anything. Yeah, I found things close to it, but nothing that's as good as that. So, yeah,
0: that's the same thing with me. I found like, and there was another one of my favorite aromatics they made was their uh holiday spirit they made every year, and now that and now I can't. And that was like one of the first aromatics that I felt like that I that I first had that tasted really good, and I was like, then. I started using that as kind of my my tree to branch off of. Like, what else is similar to this for aromatics? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I wonder if anybody like if there's any way to like if there's if they'll sell the rights to their recipes or something. I know it won't be the same, but it'd be a shame to just have it go away forever and not have any sort of way to get a hold of it. But <laughs> you know, and if
2: uh, I don't know if you've ever met Mike and Mary McNeil, no, they're never. they're the ones that owned. Uh, McClellan and, and operated it and did all the blending. But uh, since they're, they are in Kansas City, Missouri, and so they're just across the state from us. So I've yeah. been over there, not to their plant, but to the, over in that area quite a bit. And Mike and Mary had, uh, they had no intention of selling their recipes. Oh, wow. they, and I think it's just for the reason you stated that if somebody bought it It may be similar, but it just won't be the same. Yeah, and I think Mike and Mary both knew that their people like their pipe tobacco so well that they just didn't—they didn't want to take that uh, or or have anything with that had their name on it or even a blend called you know similar to. the same name. They just didn't want anything out there that wasn't going to measure up to what they made.
0: Yeah, so, I can understand. And I don't that.
2: think that was arrogance on their part. I think that was just pride in their product.
0: Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Yeah. I. I mean, just coming from like a my from a, a creative background myself and working as a as a as a writer and screenwriting and stuff. It's just like. What like giving your script to somebody else to make it's just like it's not going to be the same vision the same thing like it's like don't put my name on it it's not the if it's not going to be me, the same thing yeah. out there i understand yeah, that. Um, yeah. and there, it is an art form even though it's a consumable, consumable it's still an art form like any form of uh, uh distilling or brewing or cooking or whatever it is oh yeah yeah
2: yeah whenever you talk to these the blenders uh uh, oh, especially uh, Greg Pease, who's from out. I don't know if you know Greg Pease. He's mm-hmm. from out in California. Uh, GL Pease is what are his blends are. Uh, marketed oh, yeah, out. I've
0: seen that stuff
2: before. Yeah, well, Greg's a great guy. He You yeah. talk about a renaissance man. Yeah. Greg is definitely a renaissance man. But he, whenever you hear him talk about how he puts the blends together, I mean, it's not he, I mean, he measures them almost to the microgram, you know, of oh, what wow. he puts in each blend. So they're, I mean, they're just super proud of, of, you know, what they put together. And they really put a lot of thought yeah, in most, a lot of them do, you know, some of them, I, you know, some people, I think you, you can literally just hey, a handful of this handful of that, throw it together and, yeah. you know, so, and it'll be smokable, but some of those guys, boy, they're really proud of what they do. And, uh, it's, it's great for us
0: yeah definitely that's that's awesome well let's i want to wrap it up with what's your favorite uh, missouri meerschaum pipe and what favorite blend do you like to pair it with
2: you know yeah that you know that's almost an unfair question <laughs> i know you know uh You know, I and I and I'm not trying to duck the question, but I don't know that I could really say I have a favorite pipe. I have a favorite. I'll tell you one that I smoke a lot. And it's similar to the Washington that you you know, that you started out with. And it's called the legend. It's the it's the same. The everything is the same about it, except the color of it, basically. And it's one of our our basic uh, pipes, I think it retails maybe for 7 to $8, but uh, that's a pipe that I'll grab a lot to smoke because the, the bowl size is medium at best. It's not big, it's medium, and whenever you just, you know, you don't have a long time to sit and smoke, and it, and it smokes great, it's, it's forgiving. Uh, so that one, I think probably the Legend is one of my favorites only because it lends itself to the way uh, to the way I smoke a pipe, the, the apple diplomat that I'm smoking, uh, now that that's just as far as feeling good in the hand and that shape, that apple shape just feels really good, you know, in the hand. And then the other one is the country gentleman, uh, that one, that barrel shape of a country gentleman and just the deep bowl on it. That's a, that's a really great pipe too. But, uh, but i there's probably the only if i could say the only one and i'm not saying i don't like them but i just don't smoke them very much is the macarthur just yeah. because of the size yeah uh the freehand is a great looking pipe but it's also very deep you know deep pipe so don't smoke that one you know, very often but uh Anyhow, those, I, like I said, I, I couldn't say that I really have an, an absolute favorite. It just depends on what you're smoking at the time and yeah. how long you have to smoke.
0: Of course, yeah, that's the that's the big thing about pipe smoking. It's, it's, and, and if you tell somebody who hasn't done it before, they don't understand that. They're just like, eh, pick a favorite. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
2: the deal? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: exactly. Well, Phil, if people want to find you in Missouri Marisham, where can they go?
2: They uh, tell you what they. Our uh, website is corncobpipe.com, and uh, so they can uh, they can go to the website. They can see they'll at least see whether they buy from us or not. I mean, we we sell to tobacco shops across the world. Uh, So if they just, if people want to see what we have to offer, go to corncobpipe.com and you'll see what we have. And it has contact information there. And, you know, we love to talk to people about our pipes. So if anybody, uh, you know, has a question about a pipe or especially if they're a new pipe smoker and say, hey, I'd like to get into it. You know, what should I get? I mean, gosh, we'd love to talk to them. We're, We're not a big company by any means, but we've got know three or four people in the office and you know all of us can talk pipes and are you know are happy to talk to people so that's awesome
0: well thanks so much phil for doing this i would love to have you back on in the future and uh you have a good uh happy thanksgiving That's that yeah same
2: to you jordan stay safe out there too thank you you too
0: Hello, gentlemen, Scofflaws. Thanks so much for being a loyal listener of the show, and your feedback and support is really what keeps us going. It means a lot to us, so sincerely, thank you again. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you want to take your support to the next level, why not support the show on Patreon? We offer all sorts of extras on there, like outtakes, extended interviews, a bonus movie podcast, and behind-the-scenes content. Better yet, we have options that start as little as a dollar a month. You pay more for that at a parking meter to go in and grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks see what I did there if you're interested in helping support the show please check out patreon.com slash gentscofflaw or click the support link on the website again that's patreon.com slash gentscofflaw we look forward to having you as part of our team alright great talking to Phil um, big fan of Missouri Meerschaum I got I got maybe a little too many Missouri Meerschaums in my collection um, it's funny great starter pipe. I uh, a, a few years ago, actually the same spot where I got your, uh, your pipe from John's pipe shop. Um, I got a pipe stand that had six, uh, slots in it. And this was back when I only had two pipes. When I first got started my first year, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to fill all these slots. Like who needs, like, I don't think I'll need that many pipes. And, uh, sure enough, um, Started getting more. Most of them were Missouri
1: Meerschaums. <laughs> hey man, it's it's got. I feel like the Missouri Meerschaum is such a cool pipe because it's so distinct and obviously yeah. different. But it's got many variations, like your uh, MacArthur. Yeah. Um, corn cob. That's, that's just like so water. different. I
0: should have brought it's, that one out for today. That would have made more <laughs> sense. I. guess. But that, well, you know, I mean, that the actually, Mark I, pretty I,
1: that, big. that freaking uh, that stem is pretty awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, I um. That yeah, that uh, MacArthur one is definitely a statement. I actually saw a guy at the Cigar Lounge the other day who uh, had a a church warden's. Oh yeah, pipe, it's like kind of like wall. a church warden in a way. Well, I it's I, I want to say long, the church but... warden. Maybe I'm thinking of the, the church warden's like the Hobbit pipe, right? Like where it's yeah. like really long and long and, cool stem, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, pipes are, you know that's it's a it's a it's a dangerous business you know you, you start to collect uh just a couple and then you have a whole wall full
0: it's like pokemon you gotta have them all um <laughs> i don't i don't know
1: pokemon and i probably just screwed up the uh no that's <laughs> uh, that actually it? no <laughs> you were so close you were so <laughs> close it was uh and i can't believe i know this but it's only because i was in fourth grade at the time <laughs> um uh, it was you've got to catch them all oh you got to catch he's joining our generation z audience I'm here killing them, i'm killing them.
0: uh <laughs> you got any plans for thanksgiving or
1: and i am taking the day well i'll take half the day off because i still have to make up for some time sturdying and uh and then i you know what i'm gonna watch uh some movies yep. i uh i've been randomly going down the star wars rabbit hole lately um, right. watching criticisms of the new ones and uh it's made me want to really revisit the old ones even the prequels and uh i think i'm going to enjoy just sort of like turning off my brain and just kind of uh diving back into that nostalgia so that's pretty much and i'll you know maybe we'll have a fire and uh you know smoke a pipe and that'll have some good. bourbon that'll
0: be good times good times mm-hmm. Well what about you? Well for uh we're just gonna Lacey and I just we're gonna have a few friends over and then um, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then we, we like most people are kinda staying home out here, so we're just gonna be by ourselves. <laughs> I like
1: <laughs> so, I like how you put that, which is like <laughs> Governor Newsom, uh, has declared a (laughs) shoot on site order for anybody leaving their home. (laughs) So, uh, we're all gonna, you know, we're, we're just, we're just choosing. That rap I heard
0: earlier was the Gestapo. Um,
1: (laughs) you know, you know what I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gosh. Um, you know what I heard actually two, two small stories really fast. First, speaking of the Gestapo, I was talking to a guy at the cigar lounge, Um, that's my new, like that, that's going to be my new offshoot (laughs) podcast. It's like, I was at the cigar lounge, (laughs) but, um, I was talking to a guy at the cigar lounge and I noticed there was a bunch of old timers who, who gathered around the bar, uh, on Thursday, I was working on my paper, they all gathered and they were having a great time talking about stuff. And, uh, it was, it was great. It was just like good to see people having a good time. I left, I saw one of them today and he said, oh yeah, um, after, uh, you left, there was a girl who came in and she was dressed like a pizza or sandwich delivery person, but she didn't deliver anything. She walked around with an iPad and was like making notations and then walked out. jeez! Oh, he said that he got the sense that she was probably sent by the, you know, by the authorities. And uh, he got out of there anyways, you know, what do you know? The owner has to come over, break it all up, cordon off the bar with caution tape and everything to keep people away. And it was just like, gosh, spies everywhere. And then uh, the other thing was I saw a uh, tweet the other day saying that uh, Newsom was that uh, Newsom had decreed. Uh, a ban on ten pound turkeys. They were going around the stores and picking up the ten pound turkeys, really? so that you couldn't have like more than no. It was a joke. Oh, but I literally thought it was, was like that like it was a so... Babylon B article or something. It probably it wasn't Babylon <laughs> B, but it was like some sort of satire <laughs> okay. where they were saying like Governor Newsom has declared, uh, you know, ban on ten pound turkeys. Authorities are going around and picking up the ten pound turkeys so as to limit gathering sizes. And anybody who's already bought one, they're working with uh, stores to figure out so that we can make sure that there's no, you know, not more than, you know, so many people. And I I read it and I was like, oh, this is fake, but it feels so real. It was just such a like it was such a weird moment of like, I should laugh, but I feel like crying.
0: (laughs) Um, Anyways. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it's crazy that that's that's all going on. But it's like most people that are having Thanksgiving, they're spending time with their families. It's like out of all the people you're going to spend time with, those would be the people you'd like the, the you'd want to, want to interact with.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd want no, to get COVID from. But you're right. I mean, the, the, well, this has been the whole thing from the start. I mean, you know, we, we, we're, we're not going to turn this thing into a political show. But I mean, it's, you know, ultimately, it's like, you know, I feel like uh, you have to be careful because, I mean, people need social interaction. Yeah. And uh, if you're keeping people away from their families, especially around this time of year, yeah. it's depressing, man. I mean, it's like it's not it's not good. And and meanwhile, you have uh, good old. uh Pretty boy Newsome out there going to uh, whatever dinner party he freaking wants to without a mask, not social distancing. And it's just like rules for thee and not for me. And as scoff laws, I take offense. I do too. And uh, I feel, you know, my, I take off my chief's hat (laughs) to you all in California for having to deal with it because I would not have, I would not have the patience.
0: I don't have the patience. Uh, Quick question though. You know, so, The governor of California's name is Gavin. Yeah. Why don't they just call him the Gaviner? The
1: Gaviner. How come that hasn't caught on? Because, well, you only get a nickname like that, like the governator, (laughs) if you actually have a reputation of being a badass and not like, uh, you know... Uh, Justin Trudeau from the West side, you're from the West to the, you know, country. It's, it's, you know, that, that's why, that's why he doesn't have a nickname like that. Uh. All
0: right. If you want to follow us, uh, you can go ahead to gentlemen, and, uh, click all the social links on there. There's the links for all the places you can watch or listen to our podcast, um, or, so, you know, follow us on social media at Gentscofflaw. Um, also, follow us on Instagram because we're going to have a really good holiday, Christmas. I don't know why I said holiday. I guess because it's not Christmas yet.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, Chris- I, I feel like, when we're in this zone, it's the yeah, holiday yeah. season, not like so, Christmas season. So
0: we have season. a holiday giveaway coming up with a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, but you got to be following on Instagram to find out about that. So be sure to go over there and do that. Also, um, we have a little uh, Christmas uh, Christmas uh, sweater action on our Teespring uh, account going up in the next couple of days. Um uh, Scofflaw ugly Christmas uh, sweatshirt so uh, that's something you nice. want to check out also you could check out our, our t-shirts um, all of our stuff we've got on there uh, we've even got gators now that's a new thing um, another gator give another me that gator. shovel
2: <laughs> um, a, apparently a they might
0: ban gators so you might as well get them <laughs> I don't know if that's true they, Apparently, their the gators
1: that, are so fun they're so badass looking know. like you know
0: that's the thing is individuals like you know, tend to wear gaiters, and I don't think that the go go the governor
1: likes that. It's like it's like a banana hammock versus a uh, a diaper. Like, <laughs> come on, come on, people. Or Zach
0: um, called it a face girdle, um, or space <laughs> for for your yeah. face.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah go ahead and uh, we've got the, our masks and gators uh, if you have to wear them out there you might as well get one that's funny and cool um, our, that make, looks like our make logo a statement, which is a skeleton with a mustache smoking a pipe um, we've got uh, American flag kind of a patriotic version we've got a subdued American flag version we've got just the wooden version like our logo and then we've also got the bandana version so kind of you make, has a little bit of a motorcycle game. Gang- Kind of feel um, So
1: whatever you want For all those yep. Hells Angels out there yeah. who, Of the show <laughs> exactly. Them and the Mongols yeah.
0: Oh jeez probably, We probably have a lot of Hells Angel
1: listeners I wouldn't be surprised I, 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 I'm sure they'll come after me tonight And be like <laughs> Why, why didn't you think that we'd be interested in your show? Why are you profiling us? <laughs> why are
0: you profiling us? We, like, we listen to podcasts, too. We've got a lot of time <laughs> on the road.
1: They beat me to death.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Donovan, you have a happy Thanksgiving, and you are a gentleman in a scofflot, my friend.
1: And a happy Thanksgiving to you as well, and uh, stay classy, people. Thank
0: you very much, man. And you guys... Have a great Thanksgiving week. This has been the Gentleman's Scoff Law podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher.
1: Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com.
2: Captain says his ass on the river. We ain't getting home if we don't break
1: through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise
2: and shine, we got
1: work to do.